on the set. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland podcast. Today, I am pleased to have Eva Brown with us. Eva is a lighting director. Uh, she's got over 25 years worth of experience working in this field. And so I would like to welcome her here. Hi, Eva. how are you? Hi, uh, thanks for inviting me. I'm absolutely delighted. Likewise, I'm so happy that I get to talk to you today. <laughs> uh, I hear that you're joining us uh, right after you finished working on the Christmas episode of the Fair City series. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I literally took off my cans 10 minutes ago. And I'm sitting in the lighting control room facing into a cupboard with lovely overhead lighting. So this is not, I'm not looking quite as pretty as I might have planned, but it'll do fine for a chat. <laughs> yeah, good to see you. I, uh, yeah, I loved uh, just before we went live, I loved how you were adjusting the lighting, like a true lighting director uh, and a visual person. <laughs> so. I should have brought like a ring light or something like that, you know, but not. <laughs> Not, not not in my arsenal of equipment just now in the cupboard, but we'll crack on anyway. We shall, we shall. Um, so Aoife, I, uh, I would love to just chat to you about, first of all, kind of the career you've had up till now. As, I, as I've mentioned, uh, for the past 25 years, you've been working in RTE. You are now these days primarily doing uh, Fair City, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's Ireland's longest running uh, drama series. How many it, years has this been going on? Oh, my gosh. Bridgie, the producer, only mentioned it. Is it 34 years or something like that? So it's something long. It? That's crazy. And how long have you been working uh, as lighting director uh, on Fair City? I, 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 in this particular stint, it's actually been three years. Uh, I okay. came on during COVID, probably the end of, towards the end of 2020. And it's it was something that it was really easy for me to come back to. I absolutely love drama. I love working with actors. So um, during COVID, we were very lucky because we were able to get back to work here, back making television. I know not everybody uh, was in that position, uh, mm -hmm. but we we were very fortunate to be able to do that. And um, the program wanted continuity of crew, so mm -hmm. slightly fewer fewer hours than we had been doing previously. But um, trying to get those those initially, we went two episodes a week, but trying to get the same continuity of crew every week. So I put my hand up for that straight away. Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, it was a very easy decision for me. I'm very happy in Carrickstown, always happy. I, I always like to go there. Sometimes uh, I get to see you when I am uh, doing still still photos. Um, so I remember when I first came across you, I was thrilled to see a woman in the position of a lighting director uh, and uh, you always um, kindly uh, entertain my questions and kind of my observations and I really appreciate that. Um, so if I tell me you said you said that you were happy to return to this role so what had you been doing prior to to working as a lighting director on Fair City? Um, when you work in RTE and particularly in lighting you work on a huge variety of programs all the time. Um, so everything from kids television to current affairs, uh, news, um, daytime television, all that kind of stuff. So there is a huge variety. No two days are the same in RTE, that's for sure. Um, so it's it's actually quite an unusual position to be in, to be on um, the same program every week for, for this duration. So I think I've been... Uh, I must be doing something right because I think the program are happy enough and I'm being left quietly <laughs> out here to do my thing. So, okay. yeah, but, but lots of stuff. And I, I'm, I mean, I'm particular. Look, I love, I, I'm a big fan, fan of news, uh, current affairs, sport. They're all topics that I really enjoy outside work. Um, the mm -hmm. the minute like when I switch my phone on, I'm a news junkie. So uh, I, I love all that kind of stuff. Like I love an election. That's one of the things I always would have, uh, enjoyed doing those uh, election night live coverage you can't beat them really for excitement and drama that that does sound exciting and um, so please tell me and to our listeners 
what is the role of a lighting director? What exactly do you do? So a lighting director is, is a, a specific term for um, a lighting person who works on a multi-camera production. Um, so that's what I do um, on Fair City. It's three cameras. Uh, some soaps in the UK are two cameras, but here Fair City were three cameras. Um, you could be up to lighting for seven or eight cameras. Um, there's six, seven cameras, even on news alone. Um, and big variety show could have eight, even up to 10 cameras. So the job of a lighting director is to balance the picture and the lighting across all three all are all 10 cameras you're mm -hmm. you're looking at the whole lot for the balance of the lighting so does it does it mean that you are in charge of both setting the lighting and then uh setting the cameras um or there's a, there is a little bit of both yeah we work um with uh, there there are camera operators and then there's a team of engineering who who are they would can they would be in charge of the color matching and the electronic balance of the cameras and we take that we take them over once they are already balanced it's um it's it's a kind of an unusual structure in that um we have in multi-camera television something called vision control which is a, is a department specific to a multi-camera production which is where is um, we control during the production, whether it's live or pre-recorded. Um, and it's generally in the lighting controller and we control the iris and we can adjust the color balance and the sit level of all the pictures. So um, almost like a bit of a live grade, really. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so we're adjusting to that. But you, so I, you were, as a lighting director, you're always in, constant contact with the person who's doing vision control and in our case it's actually a lighting operator so it's one of the skills that you learn and hone as a lighting operator um in RTE um and you learn about the color balance and the picture balance so it's not about getting an absolutely flat light level across all cameras it's about mm -hmm. the balance and making sure that the exposure uh your f-stop across all cameras is broadly similar there's okay. and there's a range of adjustment that you can make, um. But on drama, you're not adjusting too much life. Okay, interesting. If that makes any sense? I probably went down a right uh, road. No. <laughs> I have to say, it makes sense to me, and that's only Oops. because I've been looking over your shoulder. Yeah. Uh, on my days in Fair City, and I've also had a visit to the vision. Uh, what is what did you call it? Vision mixing. Vision control. Yes. Yeah, control. Um, there's I, a vision mixer sits in with the director and they're the ones that cut the cameras up according to the, ah. the director's script. Um, but vision control is a credit that you will see on a lot of multi-camera productions. If you look at the credits for any for anything that comes from a, a TV studio. Uh, and sometimes there, there are people with an engineering background, but in RTE, it's a strand of the lighting department and it's a huge skill. And my mm -hmm. goodness, it's... it's um. It's to develop a person's eye to balance three, five, six, seven cameras and um to do a lovely color balance and make sure that no matter how many cameras point towards a panel discussion, for example, that the that all cameras are are really nicely balanced and that nobody's mm. I think everybody on this forum probably understands about overexposure or underexposure. So mm -hmm. we're trying to find a nice happy mid-range. Um and their role is vital to my role. Um mm -hmm. we very much work hand in hand, even though I am responsible for the overall lighting look of the production i am one of a team and i and i work with a team mm -hmm. uh, in order to achieve that wonderful i like how you describe it uh at least to me and we can then open it up at the end to our listeners uh it, it makes a really good sense so i wonder if i so what where is where is the place of work are you primarily on set and do you adjust yeah. lights or uh, yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm on the studio floor all day, which is um a great place to be. It's really lively because the lighting operator sits in a control room, which is like being in a submarine on your own. You know, it's quite isolating, and we talk yeah. over talkback. But I get to stay on drama. I get to stay on the studio floor, um, mm -hmm. which is 
quite specific to drama. Mm -hmm. um, so I stay on the floor and I'm watching the camera angles and I will always sit. I have a monitor stack where I can see output, whatever the vision mixer is cutting up. But I can also see the three different cameras and I'm watching uh, I'm watching the shots mm -hmm. and I will always sit in a position on the floor when I can where I can actually see the pedestals, see the cameras as well and watch for their movement. Um, because on drama, I'm uh, there's there's a couple of aspects to the lighting. So you've got to light the set yes. because we are we are indoors in a studio and these are meant to be real environments, whether it's a pub or shop or somebody's kitchen. So you've got to light the set, but then you've also got to light for the camera angles as well. And the cameras are pointing towards the people to catch the dialogue and to catch those expressions. So um, I've got to watch and look at those camera angles and make sure that the lighting is correct for those angles mm -hmm. um what we try and do on drama is what we call source lighting mm -hmm. so if it's a daytime scene um if there's a window in the set and we'll always try and get designed to build in a window or a source into the set you will try and make it look like the dominant lit side is the window side mm -hmm. but then you'll need some fill as well to balance that out because you're going to have at least two cameras you're going to have someone filming from the window side which is going to be hot and then you're going to have someone filming from the fill side which is going to be less lit and then you might have a camera straight in as well yeah. Um, and then for night scenes we'll always try and ask design to uh, we work very very closely with set design Mm -hmm. um, we'll always try and ask designers to put in crack lamps and lights and things like that for for visual interest and that will give us a source yeah. uh, that we can light from, from more angles with that but for me the most important thing about drama is to be able to see the actor's eyes mm -hmm. so it is absolutely critical I always say like if you can't see their eyes they might as well be singing Ba Ba Black Sheep because it, <laughs> it don't matter everything is in the eyes the expression the intention of the words everything is there so it's up to me to provide that what we call a little catch light mm -hmm, mm -hmm, in the right. eye all the time it's critical yeah oh I've got questions okay so <laughs> I hope you're ready um, sure. so coming from the um as a cinematography as, yeah. as a cinematographer, coming from the background of shooting a single camera, mostly mm -hmm. drama, uh, mm -hmm. and also having lit uh, a lot of the films that I have shot, I understand uh, uh, the necessity of lighting for one camera and trying to make the lighting uh, maybe dramatic if it's needed or kind of three-dimensional so that, that uh, the actors look like they're moving in, in a real environment. But Lighting for three cameras, trying to maintain some sort of 3D look yeah. and and a dramatic, you know, uh, highlights and deeper shadows for three cameras. This is something that when I saw you lighting on Fair City, I felt, wow, how, it, how do you do that? Because I've been going as a stills photographer to Fair City for maybe last seven, eight years. And it is when you came on on the scene that I started noticing something is different here and it was your lighting. So how do you do that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Um, and yeah, um, let me see. It starts, first of all, I must say, I love watching telly. Mm. I watch more. I, I am a consumer of the product that I create. And I think that's very important. I think that you, no matter what you're, whether if you're a chef that's cooking food or if you're a lighting director, lighting um, a soap or an urban drama, you've got to understand your customer's expectation, mm -hmm. what they what they hope to get and um, what they hope to receive when you've made something for them. And so I think that's very important. It's it's important to know what the viewer of Fair City is expecting to see, hoping to see, wants to see. Mm -hmm. um, and I also feel because I, I mean, I would have been an avid soap viewer before, actually, probably before I started working on it so regularly. I'm never home in time now to see them Um but I understand the cozy familiarity of 
a soap or a continuing mm-hmm. drama to people. And I understand that people structure their evening around that. So while you can, you it, so it's got to have that visual interest. It's got mm-hmm. to draw them in. They've got to feel. And if what, and as I said, it's critical to have the eyes because they've got to feel engaged with those characters. If you, if the viewer can see the eyes, they can see the intent uh, behind the script and then you're you're creating a familiar environment. So if we go into um, a sitting room, we know, oh, right, that's who lives there the minute you see it. And there should be a, sort of a, a continuity of image across across the whole episode. Mm-hmm. So I I suppose I watch it from the point of view of the viewer and it's mm-hmm. what I want to see. And what I re- what so what I what I really enjoy doing is um trying to pick out those couple of scenes where I because I don't I don't read the scripts in advance I don't have mm-hmm. the luxury of that time I'd really enjoy it I, I'd really like to be able to do that but you'll try and pick out a couple of scenes in the week where they're really maybe pivotal scenes mm-hmm. that you can do something a little bit dramatic through a window or just have have quite modeled lighting and to tell to try and part tell the story with your lighting i think it's a real gift to be able to do that to be able to contribute to the telling of the story with the the lighting setup ah uh, yeah i absolutely agree with you not obviously not just the uh, on uh, say a, a soap series but across television and fi- film I think lighting is very important and can uh, can further uh, the plot uh, and the storytelling and um, so I wonder also you mentioned at the start that uh, you love working with actors so yeah. when you when you're lighting for drama yeah. do you do you have uh, and ha- working with older actors, younger actors, women, men, uh, uh, uh non-binary. Do, do you have also like a responsibility to each or a group of actors to light them in a particular way, or, or, or not? Do you just go for whatever the set's supposed to look like, and that you hope that they will be happy with whatever you do? Um, I have on occasion had the wonderful compliment where an actor has come to me after a scene and said that they felt really comfortable within the set because of the way the set was lit. And so that was a, that was, I mean, that was a really lovely thing to hear because if you, if for me to contribute to creating an environment where an actor can just be in the scene. Mm-hmm. And just do their best work and not be distracted and know that they feel comfortable. Um, and know that uh, there is someone who is looking after them. And I absolutely, there are sometimes, and you, I think you know this, can be this, the slightest shift, maybe weight on the left foot, weight on, on the right foot, or just a, li- a little bit forward or back can make all the difference and can mm-hmm. just make it that little bit more flattering, you know. Mm-hmm. But I am absolutely watching for that all the time. Um, I want the actors to feel comfortable with my lighting um, because the pace we work at is ferocious, you know. Yeah, really, yeah. They don't have the luxury of stand-ins or anything like that. And someone taking, I don't know, an hour to get the lighting right and make sure they're filled just so. Um, hmm. These actors are putting their trust in me. We're all showing up for work every single day and we spend uh, the big events of our, of our life happen here because we spend so much time here and... Hmm. Uh, I often say to myself, thankfully, I all I have to do is light it. I don't have to be in front of camera when <laughs> yeah. you know, some day you don't feel like it. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad you mentioned the pace. Uh I, I and I can imagine how uh, an actor the, I mean, with the amount of dialogue they have to learn yeah. uh, and they have to get through from scene to scene, any little thing that can make them not worry and yeah. just feel like they are occupying their space and the character I can definitely see how your role um with the lighting um is extremely helpful to their performances yeah. um if I you mentioned also that uh, uh the eyes that you have these catch lights uh, uh, uh so I'm gonna be a little cheeky and ask you what is your 
<laughs> best advice for uh, like a tool to to give you catch light in uh, in dark situations wow well uh, i'll tell you the ones i used were actually recommended by better by guards oh um, wonderful photographer colleague yeah these little he's uh, our member like, as well yeah these little light cost light panels like i mean technology is is thankfully has moved on a pace uh from even in in the last five years and equipment is thankfully getting lighter because you know we've all got to mind our backs and what have you you know it's, um yeah. But it's getting lighter. It's get you've got to be particularly on soap. You've got to be real fast. Mm. Uh, you have to be nimble. You can't be distracting. And the wonder of uh, color tunable LEDs and is now that you're not distract. You're not proving a distraction or making noise with gels. It's only when you go yes. out of gel now that you realize in a quiet studio you realize how noisy um, gels can be. Um, but it's uh, uh, better recommended uh, these little light panels, mm-hmm. and so I'll I'll have I'll have a, a a main fill because um obviously as you know every light that you use creates a shadow, mm-hmm. and the more lights you use the more shadows you get. Now sometimes if you're real lucky the sh- the shadow will fall off onto the floor or onto you know a bit of set dressing. Uh, if you're really unlucky and the actors bang smack against a flat wall, there is a, there is a shadow and there's a big person sized shadow. Um, so that's a little bit unfortunate, but if that's it's one of the hazards of working quickly. But if you can only have one person sized shadow and not three dancing around the place, mm. that's better. Um we use these little light panels and we have them mounted on magic arms. Uh, we can have them on feet stands as well. To put them near the peds, but the, we we can put them on magic arms. So uh, we can clamp those magic arms onto a window frame, onto a door frame, onto the side of a cooker hood, basically anywhere that you can get the the lens. We can get in with a little catch light, um, yes. and I'd have it scrimmed down and and things like that, or maybe black wrapped so that there's just a very very narrow band. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the magic arm and your little light panel is a gift. Brilliant. I, I love that. I love that. Thank you very much. That was a personal um, <laughs> question. I told you there would be no trick questions. This was the one. That's all right. <laughs> uh, but Aoife, tell me, so um, how how is the lighting for drama different from lighting, say, say uh, like sports show or um, I know that you, you lit... Um, during the COVID period, you uh, had to light uh, a courtroom scenes for Will's trial. Uh, I, I I will admit I'm not familiar with that trial, but please tell me a little bit about it and, and how it does it differ from lighting for drama? Yeah, so um, the... Lighting first. So, for example, for um, a sports program or a political panel discussion, things like that, you you um, must you, the, the rules of lighting don't change. You've got key fill backlight and you're lighting for your angles and you're watching where your shadows fall. You're, you've um, it, the, your participants a lot of the time are in a fixed position. So you'll have a chair on a mark and you can you're lighting it before your participants um go on to the set. So by the time they're on the set, you're up in the control room. So you're setting key fill backlight and maybe audience lighting for I'm those. Just gonna, I'm just gonna step in for those who might yeah. not know, key light is the strongest light, the, the main light illuminating a person. Fill would be the additional supplemental light, usually on the other side of the face, right? And then backlight would be something at the back picking a, a person or an actor from the background. Is that correct? Exactly. Okay. exactly. Great. Absolutely. I just wanted to yeah. make sure that we have that done. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, so, yeah, there's there. That's re- that's quite prescriptive, that lighting for uh, politics programs or for sports pro- programs for panel discussions. Um, and then drama, as we as we just discussed, is a little bit diff- different from that in that you're lighting for uh, people who are moving, moving throughout the set all the time and the camera angles are changing all the time. And the mood is different all the time. It could be from going from day to night, dawn to dusk, and you're it's constantly changing and you're 
down on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I would say the courtroom scenes that we did during COVID were, because I, I was thinking about it in the run up to this, like what's been mm-hmm. my biggest challenge lighting wise. And I would say those court, those court scenes for uh, Will's trial, because um, it was a huge, big 360 degree set built in Studio oh. One, one of the bigger studios in the TV block. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to have the capacity to film shoot 360 in that wherever the director wanted to shoot whether he was pointing his cameras at the judge in the witness box or and when he then maybe wanted to flip around or uh, look at the jury or look at the um, family members things like that or people walking into the courtroom got had to have all angles covered um, and then that was during COVID restrictions. So each position had a big perspex screen in front of it. So all of a sudden you've got, you're, you're not in an actual courtroom. You're in a TV studio with uh, three mobile cameras, two sound booms. And um, for anyone that doesn't know the sound boom, you've probably seen them on on. Uh, question time or things like that is is a big platform and you've got a sound operator sitting up on the platform and a an extendable boom microphone that goes across the studio so you got two of those um and then you've got a floor manager and various other people milling around all of whom could be reflected at any time in the perspex screens in front mm-hmm. of your actor um oh my. Yeah, so that was pretty challenging. And any floor lighting that you put in, most a lot of the lighting had to be from high, from steep on top, because the more floor lighting you put in, the more chance you're going to have your own equipment reflected in the Perspex screens. Yeah. Um, so it was a big challenge. And again, the pace doesn't quit just because you're doing something special. <laughs> You're still doing maybe we do probably I just checked the scripts inside. We do probably 40 pages of scripts a day on oh first. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, That's yeah. Crazy. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's an average of 40 pages a day, which is a lot. Um, but I really liked when you do something like those courtroom scenes and the, the build up is is intense because there's not a lot of planning time. But again, that's where your working relationship with um, the other people, everyone, everyone has a role and a really important role on Fair City um, and design are fantastic because mm-hmm. they made it so that those screens could be adjustable. So you could rather than having them flat, you tilt them forward all of a sudden and if oh. you're reflections are gone i did um, not know that that's interesting yeah they're okay. all just ever so slightly adjustable yeah so you can tilt uh you know obviously tilt them up at the ceiling you're gonna get your your top rig if they're flat on you're gonna get everybody all everybody who's not meant to be there on the telly mm-hmm. uh reflected in the perspex but if you tilt them forward ever so slightly um yeah you've wow. no reflections yeah so that's that was really fantastic. And then having a pretty regular crew on something like mm. that means your communication is so much better, so much smoother. Everybody knows that we're all working towards a common goal. Mm-hmm. So we all have issues. We all have problems that arise from time to time uh, during the workday. But when you've good communication with the people around you and the people on the floor, then it's really easy solved. Um yes. Because everybody knows the end, the end goal is the same. What we're all trying to achieve is mm-hmm. is the same. And then also, the, the we had a fantastic director, Sam Atwell, who I always enjoyed working with, and it's absolutely to his credit because they're almost like the conductor uh, on the floor during a piece like that. They set the they set the tone for the day and the work environment and the work atmosphere and mm-hmm. uh, he certainly made it a super environment to work in. It was really enjoyable and it's uh, uh it's lovely when you pack up after a day like that and go, yeah, we won. We got that. We did that. Yeah. It's really that was fine. Yeah. 
Wow, that must feel really satisfying and like you yeah. accomplished something special. Yeah, it is. It is. Wow. I'm delighted with it. Um, and of course, it's 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 a team. Like the lighting operator is absolutely critical on that because they're watching from from a control room remotely, and you want them to be intuitive and you want them to be to try and feel involved in it, even though they're at, they're at a distance from it. They've got a lighting console that they're trying to balance the lighting mm. with. Um. We we work with dimmers on all our lamps, so the lighting operator um has control of all those, as well as doing vision control, as well as trying to communicate with the lighting director and listen to the script and listen to information. So they're like a huge communication hub and work hub themselves, yeah. the lighting operators. So, um, when you uh you want them to feel involved in it as well, and mm -hmm. when you have a nice working relationship together, it makes something like that even easier and and which it's great. Yeah, yeah. I have to say that uh, whenever I I am on the set of Fair City, it feels like a uh, one big family. Uh, there is very calm uh, environment and. Yeah. It's, it's like an, a well-oiled machine. Mm -hmm. um, but I also know that uh, the kind of blocks or uh, um, I don't know how we each week it usually is under the control of a different director, right? So yeah. so you do get to work with different people while maybe the crew might be the same. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, how does how does that affect your work? Um, it's really interesting and it's challenging and I think it keeps it fresh because with any job, if you're on it, the, if you're on the same job all the time, there is a risk that you will lapse into the mode of dialing it in, if you mm -hmm. know, if you understand what it means. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Well, camera one's in that position in this set, so I light it like this. But you, you, you can't do that all the time. You know, of course, you know what works in certain scenarios. But having different directors, I think, keeps it really fresh because each director yeah. has, has their own particular style. Uh, and the viewer at home may or may not notice that. I probably, as a as a soap viewer, wouldn't particularly have noticed one director's style over another. Mm -hmm. But when working together, we do on the floor. And as I said, it is, it is the director, I think, does very much set the tone and the way we work and the the pace, um, and they are kind of unusually for for a lot of productions, uh, on soap. They're possibly one of the few people in the room that have actually read the script. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I haven't read the script. Camera crew haven't read the script. I like I say, I've no ideas if a herd of elephants are supposed to tramp tramp across the set in the next scene. I've absolutely no idea until I'm told. Like we'll do, uh, we'll do a run through at eight fifteen. We'll get we'll gather on the floor as a crew with the director and the floor manager, um, and we'll run through all the scenes we have to do for the day. It could be eleven or twelve of those, and uh, just say uh, you know where the character there there'll be a camera map where the where the actors are going to be and what angles mm -hmm. we're going to shoot from. That's the first we hear of it. So, wow. Um. Yeah. That's it's up to them. The better they communicate to us, um, the I think the better job we can do. Mm -hmm. Um. And it's each so yeah, each different each different director has a different style of communicating and a different style of shooting, but it does keep it fresh, keeps it different, and uh, it's lovely to see them all coming in. I think it's I think it's great. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. And it, I would I would think, as you say, it keeps it fresh. You know, kind yeah. of because you can fall into a rut in any job, right? Yeah, I, I think. I think yeah. so. It's it's always nice to have a change of energy and uh, creative ideas. Um, Ifa, tell me, uh, what was the path to you getting to this place to become a lighting director? How what were the steps from when you first began? Um, I would say, I mean, I I started very young. I decided I was going into showbiz, like fourteen, and not from a showbiz family. But I was, uh, mad into music and rock groups. And friends of mine, one of them decided had announced that they were going to be a sound engineer. And I thought, oh, hang on a second. You mean there's actually jobs where you can actually go do stuff and make money, and that can be your job. All right, <laughs> and that. 
probably set me off on on that tangent of of pursuing uh showbiz as we call it as a career so um I, at, at the time um I decided I so I, sound was where I wanted to be because I was going to gigs all the time, week in, week out, and and the town I was living in had a really vibrant live sound scene, live uh, band scene. So I went to Ballyfermot after I left school, the senior college for a year, uh, and uh, that was really enjoyable. But again, I'm still only eighteen, so very mm-hmm. young. Um, got a little bit of work experience for a while and then I went to the Sound Training Centre, which was in Crow Street at the time. This is back in the mid 90s uh, mm-hmm. for a six month course uh, in live sound, lighting and stage production. So I got a little exposure to lighting there and different environments. But the cool thing was that all the tutors on that course, they were all working in the industry. So yeah. there was there was they always needed help at weekends with jobs or things would come up where they would have got a call. And so I always put my hand up for stuff. Um, and I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the first time you put your hand up for something, you can feel a little bit brave or a little bit nervous. But once you put your hand up once and go and do the job and show up, um, then you'll get a call for lots of other stuff that I think that's the way it works in our industry all the time. You just show mm-hmm. up and people get to know your face uh, and you'll get a call again. So yes. um, I worked a lot during during the day. I worked for a PA hire company. And then in the evenings, I was working in the Olympia and the Viking Centre anywhere, really. And my mom only reminded me there a couple of years ago. She was like, "If but you always had two jobs before you started an RTE. And I didn't think of it like that. Huh. I was okay. going to work in the evenings with actors and singers and performers. And I didn't think of it as a job. This was yeah. <laughs> life, you know, and it was a thing that I felt uh, an environment that I felt really, really fortunate uh, to be part of. Mm-hmm. So... That, that took me down to 96 and RTE at the time. There had a lot of retirements coming up in all different departments. So they took on, okay. they advertised and took on a bunch of us then, multi-skilled people to start a stagehands in the studio technician. Uh, it's called now staging as it was at the time mm-hmm. uh, with a view to moving to other areas. And um, 10 of us came in from that, I think. And everyone from it had all like from all different backgrounds, uh, photography, camera people, editing, uh, ASM work, stuff like that. So staging was a great introduction to television because I, I think that unless you're actually in television, you've no, you, you're really not exposed to an awful lot of the opportunities and career options mm-hmm. that are, mm-hmm. are unique to television. Um, and there are still people departments here. I've absolutely no idea what they're what they actually that the mechanics of their day is. So I'm really curious about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some areas, and uh, so being in staging and being on the floor and getting involved in set dressing, and that developed my eye. Um, okay. Uh, props and standby props and set dressing, looking at colour and and looking at a television picture, learning to look at a television picture and see how it could be enhanced or made better. Or was there something distracting that should be taken out? So mm-hmm. and that's kind of what that's very much still what I do today. I look at the television picture, what's on the screen and see, can I make it better or can I change it in some way that it is a more more appealing or better picture? Mm-hmm. So then moved into lighting um, and had many years as a lighting operator. And then I think I'm 10 years now as a lighting director. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's been the path since that's 19. amazing. I love that you you didn't think of it as a job. <laughs> you oh, it so much. Yeah, it's just and, and even now, I suppose, um, Part of the reason that I really enjoy working on drama is here is because Fair City is the closest thing to working, I feel, in as part of a theatre company. Mm-hmm. And it is a company um, where we're all, we are all together, cast mm-hmm. and crew, everybody spending their full day together. So that's and that's something it's an environment I just always felt super comfortable in. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I'm very happy for you. That's brilliant. Um. Tell me if I so I know that uh, in the past few years, uh, just before COVID, I think, 
and maybe even past COVID, uh, RTE and Fair City have opened the the set of Fair City to training new directors. Yeah. And uh, I, I I believe that a few of our members, uh, WIFT members, have had the opportunity to train. Do you, uh, maybe you don't know, but I just wonder, uh, do you know of any opportunities for people who'd like to learn your job? Um, what what paths they could take to perhaps gain some, some experience? Um, yeah, and experience is, uh, is critical. Experience is how you get work. Um, mm. I know that, and that's, it's funny, it's on the job is where we tend to learn in television. So mm. I'd encourage anybody who's thinking about getting into television is to um, consider all options. First mm-hmm. of all, don't be too too closed off um, because once you're in, then, as I said, then then you're exposed to much more opportunity. Ah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Can uh, be be open to all options and opportunities. Um, a lot of people would come in as a runner, um, and then learn about it that way and be, become familiar. Or like myself, you come in, you think your path is sound. But actually, when you see lighting or floor management or editing or grading or um, cameras, things like that, then you might go, actually, why don't I have a look at that? So once you're in, for sure, the opportunities are there for a bit of change and movement. Um, and there, but I think I think lighting's the most interesting because there are so many different aspects to the job. There's the creativity, <laughs> there's the technical uh, demands of it, the, the familiarization with new equipment. And we're coming into a really exciting time now where um, LED technology is catching up with the demands of our industry. Like when it came out first, it wasn't, it, it looked good to the eye, but it wasn't necessarily suitable for television. Mm-hmm. But those uh, manufacturers are out there now and they're pretty tuned in and clued into uh what what what's required for television so there's there's so much to explore out there there really yeah is. yeah i i actually um recently attended a um workshop with um uh, dado vegard uh, i'm not sure if you heard of this person but he is someone who has invade, invented over the last uh 50 years a lot of lighting equipment for television and sorry film and television mm-hmm. and uh his lights are becoming more and more popular with virtual sets and virtual television productions uh all over the world um so i definitely i definitely uh, agree with you there that there's so much uh, so much more uh kind of exciting stuff coming out now and that brings me to a question. I know that RTE transitioned in 2018, I believe, to HD broadcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what did that mean for you and, and for Fair City? Um, so I I was fortunate enough to to be on to be the lighting director for our first HD production over in uh studios, which was the World Cup that year. Um and that was it was a challenge it was daunting because sometimes you never really know what the end product is going to be like until you see it on the telly despite your mm-hmm. best planning um but like i said for panel for for a show where you're lighting as we cut talking heads for want of a better word the rules of lighting stay the same whether you're lighting for standard definition or high definition if it's a multi-camera shoot um the rules of lighting remain the same so i tried to tell myself that all the time um and then you are on both drama and on um sports shows things like that you've got to then work really carefully with makeup with wardrobe Mm -hmm. you know no department is an island Mm -hmm. so everybody's coming together we did a lot of checks with wardrobe for for moire strobing um every tie every jacket that wardrobe came in put it up in front of camera um and things like that so uh like i said the the challenge for drama is 
can you build every single set from scratch and make sure that none of the lumps and bumps and tight marks and join marks are yeah. together? No, you can't. Nobody has the budget to do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, some of our sets were, were built from scratch for HG, but absolutely in HG, you see everything. Yes. <laughs> you see every open pore or you can see um a little mark on a piece of wallpaper and that all of a sudden is just it's now not in the blurry distance anymore. It's now in sharp focus behind the head of someone who's speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So there was an awful lot of those considerations. Um, The speed we work, you've got to have a certain light level. Uh, be your three cameras and we I work at like f about two six which is quite wide open but still there's there's the f stop is like there's enough there for cameras to find focus maybe there. maybe we should also say what does that mean oh um, god uh, yeah so, go for it Yara. <laughs> okay so basically what Ifa is mentioning here is the iris uh within a lens how how wide open it is and the wider open it is the less of um something that you're focused on um the less focus you find in front of that point and behind the point um so it's much more difficult to keep say an actor's face in focus if they're moving uh but you need to be wider open in order to for the sensor to receive the light from the set right yeah. So, so two point eight, you said, or two point six? Two six, two eight, around that. That's it, pretty wide open, meaning that that they have to the camera operators have to carefully pull focus with the movement of the actors. They really do, yeah. yeah. And that's where communication and working together is is absolutely critical because I might want the camera to be even wider open. I might want to give them less light in order for that that to achieve a bit of depth of field maybe so that the background isn't in such sharp focus mm-hmm. but they've got you know we've got they could have um shot after shot after shot and they've got someone um at the tail in the shop and then the person's going over to the shelf and they're moving in around the space and they've the guys are the camera operators got to be able to find focus in all those spaces so um, I we need to find a happy medium where they've got enough light mm-hmm. uh, to work, but yet that it the set's not flat, exactly, and overlit. Yeah. And sometimes that can happen if you're doing if you're doing setup after setup, they just kind of go, hang on, stop. It's flat. It's overlit. We don't like flat. So the thing to do then is start turning loads of things off, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then see what you really need and start to add, just add one at a time slowly yeah. slowly yeah but i think i think that's what i like about your lighting is that you uh you have the opposite of flat sets you do create the kind of real dimensionality to sets in different atmospheres whether you have evenings or daytimes and uh still uh you, it's 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 something that the camera operators can can work with as far as finding focus so i think that's a real a kind of testament to how you how you collaborate with them and how you communicate to make sure that it works for both you as the creatives and also the audiences um absolutely and I, and communicating with the directors is is critical to that and when a when you build up a really good a good working relationship with a studio director, um, like I said, they have shots that they want to achieve and they have a story that they have to tell within a scene. Mm. Um, but if it can be achieved by perhaps going off angle slightly or just getting a little bit more shape or saying if you if you work together to paint the picture you get a much, much better result. Because mm-hmm. um, often with multi-camera, sometimes three angles can be too much because one of those angles isn't going to look as well as the other two. Yeah. And if you work well with the director and you can have that conversation and then that they, they, they might give you a little bit back and say, okay, well, maybe we don't need to cut to the wide so many times in this because the wing cameras are getting us really nice mid shots and we're telling the story with those rather than having to 
see the whole thing or see the people's shadows or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, or mm -hmm. like that, you know, can we move them off a wall, uh, move, pe move people away from the wall, away from the flat surface? Or <clears throat> if they've staged a scene in, in a way where a window is directly behind somebody, I can't fight that, you know, um, mm -hmm. it's a multi-camera shoot. I've got a light through the window, but then I've got a light against the window as well. So you're going to fail somewhere. Whereas if you can split the background a little bit and have a hint of window, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's fine. And I you can, can like work that. with it. I can yeah. with that. So fast yeah. communication, that working relationship, the understanding that uh, you're not going to, you're not going to win all the time. Um, but if 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 you can walk away with like say ninety nine percent of your week, if you're happy with that, looking good, maybe there's a shot or two that you kind of have to say, well, do you know what, it I didn't win that one, but I could be you could be hypercritical. We all do that. Mm, mm. Our own work. Absolutely. Uh, I yeah. you just you just gave a, a really important advice and i'm taking it to heart <laughs> the perfectionist in me hears you <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine sometimes that our audience is made up entirely of lighting directors or dops and, and they're, they're not they're sitting at home watching telly scrunch oh i think they are all cinematographers all of them <laughs> you're right you're right we can be very critical of our We're own work for sure we can yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely um, and um we're kind of uh, coming uh, toward the end of our discussion, Aoife, when I'm going to open it up uh, to our listeners for questions. But just before we get there, I wanted to ask you, what what is the kind of personality that's most suited for the type, for the job that you do? Who The big people who want to start out and get get into your career, what are the key kind of skill sets and, uh, and traits that they should hone okay teamwork is uh, someone who's uh I, like i said i'm the lighting director my name is on the credits i take ownership and responsibility but i work as part of a team and that's absolutely essential on a production you've got to park your ego a lot of the time um so teamwork so people who are artistic mm. uh i would say to people never to be intimidated by the technical stuff um, I would have been slow enough to take to the technical side of lighting and board operations and programming, probably because I was just afraid of making a mistake. You know, mm. I don't, you know, nobody likes making mistakes. So I wasn't really, oh, it took me a while to grasp the technical stuff, but you learn it, you learn on the job and that's part of it. But if you um, are an artistic person, that's really, really helpful. It's probably more important to have a visual appreciation of what you're doing and you can mm -hmm. like i said you can learn the technical stuff uh being a team player just be enthusiastic and also be able to sit in a control room for 10 hours at a time without going out of your mind you know that's <laughs> kind of important a lot of people yeah. can't a lot of people need to be um in the environment, like I do love being on the floor, but I'm perfectly used to to sitting in a control room, being quiet, listening for key information, tuning out stuff you don't need to hear and mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. to keeping yourself occupied and interested during that. So but mm. there are so many television has very diverse characters and people in it from all different sort of backgrounds. So mm -hmm. uh, explore and. Have a go yeah. if anyone is interested. I love that. I really do. Thank you. Thank you, Aoife. I actually, I have a couple of questions here in the chat that, that kind of follow up nicely with what you what I've been asking you now. Sure. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read those and see if you have something to add. Mm -hmm. So Lauren is asking, what tends to be things people find hard when they're starting out? And the second part of the question we just, we just answered, what type of aptitudes help the role? But so what tends to be, what, what do people find hard when they're starting out and could maybe um, overcome faster if they have the point? Yeah, I think uh, people um, often are afraid that they're, especially if you're entering, if you're joining with a crew of experienced people, 
Um, it can often feel quite intimidating. It can feel like you are never going to catch up. You are never going to know what all these people know. And of course you will. You're in learning mode. And that's a really, uh, I think mentoring is really important. And I think it's neglected a bit sometimes uh, because mentoring takes a bit of planning, a bit of time and a bit of effort. Um. But I would encourage people if they're if they're in a new work environment is to maybe pick somebody that they think have good skills that they get on with and ask them for a little bit of mentorship and to try and get a gauge for where you should be at or could be at, given your experience level. Um some people I work with are here for like I'm here since 1996. Mm-hmm. Um I don't flinch at an awful lot because I've probably seen an awful lot of it before. If, if you've only wor- walked in the door six months ago, some of it's probably going to seem like absolute madness. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I I would say to people, um, it's very important to recognize your skill set and your skill skill level and appreciate that where you are now and and recognize your learning as you go mm. through your career. That's a brilliant advice. I I definitely also um, can um, kind of take that to heart because I always approach jobs as I need to be perfect and I need to know already everything on the list, uh, you know, of the job description. But sometimes, um, or many times, it's not about mastering all of the um, points, but just kind of knowing and being confident going into it and wanting to learn and being willing to learn and approach people and ask and you know be receptive to advice uh i i really agree with that um there is another question here Aoife. um <laughs> this is interesting is this a young person's game is there any point in coming to this as an experienced woman uh oh, yeah yeah. It's um I mean, listen, we all started out in it as young people. Um <laughs> I'm I think that I'm quite I'm I would say I feel fortunate that I'm in an organization and have been for a long time, which where I'm I'm work on site. I know what my work week is going to be. I think the freelance game. Uh, you might give your take on this. I think the freelance game, I did it for long enough and and, and I'm kind of glad I don't have to do it now. I certainly wouldn't rule it out in future because I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Um, but um, I don't think it's... Uh, I, I don't think we should box people into young and old because there's a huge variety like I said there's people from all different backgrounds all different age groups in television and while we absolutely need new people coming through people um in their you know early teens and 20s uh sometimes the the a person who's more experienced or has gained more experience in the workplace um they've already got that confidence the knowledge mm. the 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 self-knowledge so they're in a space where they can just uh be comfortable with themselves and then be open to learning the new skills mm-hmm. um somebody starting out in their career is maybe doesn't isn't familiar with their own skill set or their own uh attributes um if that makes any sense yeah, so, absolutely absolutely um, wonderful comes close yeah. to answering that question I think you did, at least for me, I hope. Uh, uh, and please, whoever else is listening, if you have further questions, please put them in the chat for us. Um, I have one here, and that's actually something that I also wanted to ask you. Um, uh, I'm going to put it in my own words. Um, I was surprised to see you in the role because uh, in you, I see myself, uh, a woman. <laughs> and I... Uh, don't often come across women working in lighting or cameras so I wonder has the has this been a help or a hindrance or just a neutral thing for you your career development being a woman in a male-dominated field 
Um, I would say I would say neutral. Um, I have never felt that me being female was a primary consideration in anything particularly. Um, uh, certainly what I think I can't understand why there aren't more women doing this job. I really don't know why. Um, and I'd love to be in an environment where uh, it could be further encouraged. And that can only be done by people like us having a chat, being out there talking about our jobs, you know, and maybe going into to, to third levels and, and encouraging more women to explore. Because um, I work, I, I, there is very little demand physically to my job. We don't have to be, I don't have to be strong. Um, I've just, got, I've got to be creative. I've got to be decisive. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got to have a visual awareness. I've got to be a team player, but I certainly don't need to have, you know, biceps. It's all good. <laughs> also, many women have bigger biceps than men do. Uh, yeah. So, okay. um, I don't know, but I think it's really interesting that um my my colleague Emer Garrity, who's um the only other female lighting director in RTE, and possibly in Ireland we were at one stage. I know, um Sonia Fawcett. We who some of us know Sonia Fawcett certainly does LD work, but myself and Emer, um. Uh, I think it's really interesting because we both went to the same school in mm-hmm. Newbridge. And yeah. um, I was like, I left like two years ahead. But we would be from, we'd have kind of different interests. And when it came to doing the school shows, Emer was involved in the, the production part of it and the choreography and the visuals. And I was um with the, the techie stuff, you know, doing sound and bits and pieces like that. But for both of us to uh, have come from the same school and and be the only two female lighting directors in RT, I think it's no <laughs> coincidence. Yeah. Um, I I would say about that school that we had a wonderful career guidance teacher who, if you said that you wanted to be an astronaut, she said, okay, let's go find out about that. Wow. That's Nobody incredible. ever said no. Nobody ever said, don't be silly or mm-hmm. you can't do that or sure, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. It's always, okay, fine. And my parents the same as well. It was like, well, okay, if that's what you want to do, we don't necessarily understand what you're telling us you want to do, but off you go and explore it. And I think mm-hmm. that's the greatest gift that a parent, leader, mentor, career guidance person can can give anybody starting out in their career is like, well, okay, go, let's go and explore that and let me support you while you go and explore that. Um, mm-hmm. And for, so from that base in school, I think there of there I did didn't bat an eyelid at any of my career choices from mm-hmm. that point because I I was always told, okay, go and explore it. Why not? Why can't you do it? That's amazing. Um, I I do feel that that might not be the case for everybody. Mm. Uh, and in coming into the future, it's probably still not going to be the case for everyone. But the more of these kind of non-judgmental and open-minded uh, situations we can create for people, the better. And yeah. I'm glad that you had that, Eva. And I actually wanted to say that uh, whenever I come to Fair City, I'm always amazed how gender-wise balanced the sets are. Really, yeah. uh, I mean, you see camera operators who are men, who are women, you know, in the lighting. Uh, I, I, I've seen both genders. Um, and also as far as age goes, uh, many different age gr- groups are represented. So there's always... Uh, you know ways to improve but on, on this front I've been very um, pleased with uh, RTE uh, and I also wanted to say that RTE are our sponsor and we're really grateful uh, for their sponsorship and support and um, I if I, I'm gonna wrap this up um, just with um, one one other question um, and this one is <laughs> I'm asking it because not because it nicely kind of uh, ties into what we've been saying, but because I love lighting. <laughs> so uh, we have a we have a member here asking, 
Um, how do you feel about backlighting with different color temperature to create better separation or contrast? No, it's a little geeky question. Geeky. Oh, go for it. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, I think it's part of telling the story. Um, and I don't see why i mean on drama things have to have in some a, a bit of justification like if i've got really warm temperature prac lamps and all of a sudden somebody had a color temperature blue backlight it'd be a bit weird we'd need to know where that came from but i think you need to i think absolute experimentation is a wonderful thing and what i if i had an unlimited budget i'd really love um a full LED Fresnel rig where I could, they were all color temperature adjustable um, okay. because it, it absolutely helps. Yeah, go mm -hmm. for it. Yeah. Who's going to say no? <laughs> like, just try it. If it looks wrong, change it. Yeah, that's really, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. uh, and I love your attitude about this. Uh, I also, I also like that. So, um, uh, I, I um, want to thank you, Aoife, very much for uh, being uh, the amazing, first of all, woman you are and our guest today. Uh, I hope you had a good time talking to me. I did. Thank <laughs> you, Yarrow. I, I must say I'm absolutely, uh, I was thrilled to be invited to do this. Um, and it's been my absolute pleasure to, to join you on this. Thanks to everybody for their help and assistance. And I hope it was enjoyable and useful. Uh, as for me, definitely. And I hope that our, our um, listeners also find this interesting. So thank you again. Um, I also, before we say goodbye, I wanted to say and remind everyone that uh, Women in Film and Television Ireland has their annual short film showcase uh, coming up on November 30th. Uh, we will meet at IFI screen some of the best shorts that have been made by our members this year give out some awards and just kind of chat to everybody, catch up on what's been going on. It's always one of our best events of the year. So please come and join us. And also uh, on the 13th of December, we have a Changemakers uh, event uh, coming up at the Windmill Lane. So we would hope to see some of you or all of you there as well. Thanks again to Aoife. Uh, thank you all, all of you who have tuned in and uh, I look forward to catching you next time. Bye.